0: I wanted this one to be about simplicity over complexity, because I think sometimes all this just feels overly complicated. Am I right? It can just feel like, how, how the heck do you do this? Um, so Luke 9 verse 3 says, take nothing for your journey. He instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Everything that makes you feel prepared, equipped. Like, leave all that behind. And instead, I want you to go as observers. I want you to go as needy people, right? depending on the people around you and depending on the Holy Spirit and letting the Spirit of God lead and guide and paying attention to your surroundings. And we hit on this a little bit before, um, just the need for a missionary to say, You know, what does this mission field look like? Who are these people? What are their struggles? What are their pains? What are their questions? What's going on in the city? What does good news look like for these people, for this street, for this workplace? Whatever. But if we don't ask those questions, then we can very easily get into unintentional trouble. um, Running off in our own strategy. Right? Right? You get in trouble, like, running off in your own strategy. So the the girls who um, started this initiative under the bridge amongst the homeless, um, what they're doing is amazing. I mean, really amazing. Like, they've customized the meals. They have gluten-free meals. They have dairy-free they, they know the size of clothing for different people. One of the homeless guys under the bridge lost his dog. And they ended up, through social media, seeing somebody post about the dog. And they reunited the homeless guy with his dog under the bridge. Right? So there's like a deep level of like, not we're coming from the outside as saviors that aren't a part of this community, dropping stuff off and leaving, but we're among you, know you, live with you, eat with you, hear your stories, understand your preferences, all of that. So they told me the story about how um, some, some local Christians from some of the local churches were coming down under the bridge in an effort to bless the homeless population, And they were bringing food and dropping it off, like under the bridge, to give food to the homeless. Well-meaning, right? How many of you have taken food to the homeless before, right? So they go down like, we want to bless these people, bring food down to the homeless. But the homeless people didn't know them. They had no relationship. Um, They didn't know where the food was coming from. So the homeless people weren't eating the food that the Christian groups we're bringing and dropping off under the bridge and so the the food attracted a bunch of rats and so the homeless encampment became rat infested and then the rats started eating the gravel on the bridge which compromised the integrity of the bridge you hear that the rats ate through the gravel compromising the integrity of the bridge and the homeless encampment had to move from the bridge because of the Christians that were dropping food off. See, this is why it's important to listen and to, to you know understand the situation, understand your missionary context that you're stepping into so that you're actually good news and not bad news, you hear me? We wanna be good news, we don't wanna be bad news. And so often it's unintentional that we can be bad news, but we don't listen. And so the guy who invented the stethoscope said, listen to your patients, they're telling you what the problem is. And so often we come in answering questions that people aren't asking because we're not listening. And so Jesus is the good news. Ultimately, he's going to intersect with everybody's problems and issues. But if we start with, let's tell people the good news that they're forgiven of their shame, but that's not the question they're asking. They're asking if there's a good God, why is there so much injustice? Now, Jesus provides answers for that. But we've got to take the time to listen and understand what's going on. So, I had a buddy who moved into the city and he actually wanted to be good news in the city. And he ended up getting this mansion in the roughest part of the city. This old abandoned mansion that he actually raised the money off of Facebook, putting a video together and got it dirt cheap. And so they renovated this mansion and turned it into a coffee roaster. Um, They have an urban garden. Um, They've got a laundry mat that they're running out of there. And when they took that part of the city, they said, we wanna live right in the middle of the brokenness in the roughest part of the city. And they started asking questions, right? So they partnered up with a neighbor of mine who has a junk hauling business, and she's taking her trash trucks in, they removed over 60 dumpsters of trash. Because when they asked the people on the streets, what do you need? They said, we know where to find food. We know where to get clothing. We just want our streets to not be so nasty. And so he said, I think I'm like a, glorified trash collector for the kingdom, right? But it's good news, and it's actually opening the people of the city up to curiosity about why somebody would move in to a bad part of the city, get a whole bunch of trash trucks to come in, plant a garden, and remove trash from that part of the city, Um. Tell me about the hope that lies within you. And they're not going to do that just because you attend church services. But when you start doing things like that, right, people are curious. Why would you live this way? And so I think for simplicity's sake, um, the best way I could describe what we're doing is I just want to use the word friend, friends, friends. Jesus was a friend of the disciples. He was a friend of sinners. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was friends of Jews and Samaritans alike. And I I feel like the word church is overused in these settings. We get together and it's just, I hear the word church 5,000 times in two days. Church, 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 church. And I just want to go, Tell me about your friends. Tell me about your friends. Who are they? What do they love? What are they struggling with? Where are they in pain? What are their doubts? And so I think for simplicity's sake, we got to ask the friend question because I'll even say this. I feel like the word church amongst people that come out of church backgrounds becomes an argument. If I use the word church, people that come from a certain system want to argue about what the church is. And if I use the word church around my neighbors, then it's a conversation ender because they're not interested in church. And... Even more, I think it's something that we might use to describe those people, but it's not something we want to use with those people, right? The same way that I don't walk around my house using the word family 500 times. We just are. You don't need to say church meeting here. You just go, my friends are coming over. And I love my friends. And my friends have questions and doubts and struggles And I want to walk with my friends. And they have needs, and we want to make sure that we're meeting each other's needs. And the ultimate hope that I find, I want them to experience as well. And so I think a key question here to ask is, who who are the people? Who are the people? And think of faces. Think of names. You think of church, don't think of a meeting on Thursday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 10. Think, who are the people that I am going to spend this season of my life with? Okay? When you think of church, to simplify it, who are the people that God is calling me to share my life with in this coming season? And then the second question just because it's really easy to take on too much and feel overwhelmed, is how many people do I have the capacity to share my life with without getting burnout? Who are the people? How many people do I have the capacity to share my life with without getting burnout? And then you're raising up other people to live that way as well, because people have different levels of capacity. Does that make sense? it's not copy paste looks different for different people so sociologists would say that you know people live in i can't find my marker wait it's in my pocket that there we go that we live in these three kind of space or life happens In these three spaces, where we live, where we work. Can you guess the third one? Where we play. Live, work, and play. This is pretty much how you exist, right? Your neighborhood, your city block, your apartment building, whatever. Life happens there. It happens where you work. And it happens where you recreate. This is life, right? But then, occasionally, there's this other space. It's like a fourth kind of space, like separated from all of this. It's kind of like an awkward space that you'd say like is like a country club. And it's separate from where you live or work and play, and you kind of have to leave where you live and work and play in your everyday life, and then you're over here in this separate, sort of bizarre, different world over here, the country club, and then you come back to this, right? A part of what I'm suggesting in the conversation today is that, you know, church can be here where you live, work, and play. And it's not that you have to get someone out of this, into this, into the separate environment somewhere else that you call the church, but you could say, hey, this workplace, what does it look like? Because you, I'm sorry, I pointed to myself and said you, but I was looking at you. Because you and I, right, and you and you and you, we all work at the same place. And we all love Jesus, and a lot of our coworkers don't. What does it look like for us to be the people of God in this workplace? How do we love each other? How do we share life together? How do we pray together, support each other, bless the people that we work with, and watch the kingdom of God transform this place as we live as the people of God in the middle of this business, workplace? This is how... The last time I visited the cosmetology school, they told me four girls came to faith in the past week. They see each other every day. The people in a brewery are going, we see people come to faith all the time. And, you know, we actually have funerals that are done in the brewery while there are three old church buildings on the same street. Because they say this is the place where people are experiencing faith is in this place. In the same way you go, man, these people that I live around on my city block or on my street, these people I'm seeing all the time, we're eating together, our kids, we're watching each other's kids off the bus, we're hanging out and watching the game at night, all that kind of stuff is going on, and so it's much easier for me to, sh- to, to pass on the things that I believe about Jesus to you because we see each other a lot. There's proximity and there's frequency. I think a part of why discipleship is so hard over here is, is it's this awkward other space separate from our everyday life. And so we're, we're constantly trying to compete with all of this to get people over here because over here is where we shape people. But if we're seeing people all the time around our tables or all the time in our workspace or we're coaching with them and our kids are playing together in a sport and we keep seeing each other repetitively, we end up in a, a number of conversations about life and faith and struggle and health and marriage and doubt we're able to meet each other's needs along the way. So I think a, a large part of our struggle to actually form people into Christ likeness is we just don't hang out enough. We don't see each other enough. And we think that we've got to fit it into an hour once a week, which is really difficult to do. But if we see everyday life in the places where we live, work, and play as spaces and places where God wants to work, it's, it's much easier to imagine formation and discipleship. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I just wanted to give you a bit of an idea or framework for that. But go ahead. I'm going to give you some
1: space. Okay. I know Mike's going to move us into processing these questions in just a minute. But here's the other. You know, that was awesome, right? I mean, it's inspiring, addressing the problem. But here's another problem equally difficult and thorny to have to deal with. It's you don't have the time because you're too busy. So anytime renewal is going to happen, you've got to streamline your calendar to create places of unhurried space so that you can be with people. And the, the Spaniards have this beautiful, I can't pronounce it so I'll just describe it, they have an elongated meal where they eat in the first half and have conversation as they go. And then they just kind of push the, the dishes aside, and then the real conversation begins. Then the real heart sharing begins. And I was so convicted. I'm like, I, most, most families don't eat any, long, any longer together, not even one meal. That's the newest research. Not one person, the majority of Americans of both genders don't have one person they call friend. So what we need to do is create spaces to develop relationships with people so we can actually be friends with them. That means you need to get unbusy and trim the calendar down. So I was also convicted that even though my family was eating together, you know, it's like a 15 to 18 minute boom, 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 do the dishes, and out of there. You need space to share. So with that, getting unbusy, having space to share, let's process the question. Mike?
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- for, for a number of people, and it may be this way for you, um, we're just really busy with some of our church stuff. That if we were free of all the other church meetings and Bible studies and programs, then we might have space to sit and to process the stories of Jesus with our neighbors or coworkers or people that we share hobbies and interest with. But we just don't have the margin Because we're too busy because we've created an entirely other fourth space. Seriously, I just think we're too busy. Create the space in your life to be present with people. So I'll put it this way. I think um, with the people that we're hanging with, just to give you a tool that I think is helpful... um, I don't even know that I'd call it a tool. I'd say, I'd say these are different sorts of spaces or environments that make sense with the, with the people that you either live, work, or play with. Um, for us in the Northeast, right, blunt, direct, straight, people do not want to feel like they're coming to a barbecue and then it turns into an exegetical study of Matthew. They feel bait and switched, right? So I think it's very important that you define the environment. And so we found that it's really helpful to create at least three different environments and call party, table, and VIP. And the VIP, I'd say, is not very important. Everybody's important, it's very intentional people. So the idea is this, that um, pretty much anyone in your life will hang out at a barbecue or they will serve, party or serve. They will run a 5K for leukemia. They'll help with a community garden. They'll hang out around a fire pit and just have a good time with a group of people, play dates, pools, whatever. So we're going to like have these types of spaces, party, serve. And invite anyone to that, but that's all it is. There's no bait and switch. There's no surprise, none of that. Inevitably, because you don't hide who you are. I'm a follower of Jesus. I love Jesus. I also love the Philadelphia Eagles. I also love craft beer, right? I'm going to talk about those things because those are things that I enjoy, right? So if I were to not talk about Jesus, I would be inauthentic. Does that make sense? I'm not pushing something, but I'm also not hiding it. So I say, in the spaces where we party, just be yourself. In the places where you serve, be yourself. Part of being yourself is that, I mean, really the essence of being yourself is that I am crucified with Christ, I no longer live. It's Jesus Christ who lives in me. It's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. And so that's going to be a part of conversation, perspective, all of that, wherever I'm at. And what that looks like is that I'm the person advocating for sinners in my neighborhood. I'm the person talking about my brokenness and my, my, my imperfection and the fact that Jesus has declared me righteous and innocent and holy and that I don't need to carry that baggage like everybody else does and so we get to be a light in the middle of the darkness. Now, when you're hanging out with people and inevitably they start talking about like health issues or family situations or a boss that's difficult or whatever and people start to unpack some things. Typically around a fire pit, if you have beers, usually two beers in, people get really like philosophical. They start sharing their ideas, they start talking about their hurts and pains. And I find that people open up. People open up. And as they open up and show some sort of faith curiosity, then there's this other environment that, that we'll create as needed. That it's like, hey, a few of us are going to get together and just hang out on my back patio and have a fire and just get to know each other's stories a little bit. You were sharing about some of the pain that you've experienced, stuff that you're going through. I'd like to get to know you more. And so now they know it's not just a big crowd barbecue, but it's just a few of us, and we're getting to know each other on a deeper level. And so this is a space where people can dip their toes in. It's not going to be intense. We're we're not going to like, you know, get strategic about mission. Like we're not going to do an in-depth Bible study we're just going to create a space that's a little deeper than a party that people can just sort of be curious dip their toes in and move at the holy spirit's pace in their life not ours and then when they're in that space oftentimes we watch the holy spirit work in somebody's heart and life and they get all excited and they want a journey with us in jesus when that happens we invite them into environments where we go, hey, a few of us are going to get together and we're going to talk about what does it look like if God's kingdom were to come in this workplace as it is in heaven? What, what would it look like if this neighborhood looked like heaven? What would change? And so we're going to dream about that. We're going to talk about the fact that there are a lot of single moms in this neighborhood and a lot of kids that need someone to throw football with. We're going to talk about the fact that there are a lot of lonely people living by themselves in this neighborhood that need someone to have dinner with. We're going to talk about some people that have, you know, yards and lawns that are overgrown that we could take care of. We're going to begin to pray for these neighbors together. We're going to begin to talk about the things that Jesus said together. Right? And so you invite people into that setting. So we're on this journey, you know, and the neighborhood or workplace or whatever. Uh, anyway, I misspelled it. It's like, anyway. Um, in the neighborhood, you've got all this stuff going on, but it's all part of what it means to be the people of God living out the mission of God in this place or in this space. Anyway, just wanted to make it simple for you. Does that make sense? So you're just defining the environment. Hey, guys, we're doing this. You want to come? And if they say no, cool, that's cool. Well, we're hanging out next Tuesday and doing this with the kids if you want to join us. Simple. My, my buddy Christian is from Chile, and he's amazing. Um, his wife makes the most amazing empanadas And he wanted to be a missionary in in our city. And he said, um, Mike, how do I do this? Like, how do I reach people? And he was looking for some sort of, like, great, like, theological, like, strategic idea. And I said, Christian, what do you love to do? And he said, I love to play soccer. And I love to picnic. Like, I like to dig a hole. I like to get a fire going. I like to make paella. Right, like I that's the kind of, and I'm like, why don't you just do that? Picnic, picnic, picnic. And literally his whole movement of microchurches, which now he's got a movement of migrant workers across farms all over the state, you know, came out of his picnics and soccer and paella and s'mores. He's just teaching these migrant workers about s'mores, and they're sitting around fires, and he's hearing their stories, and he's bringing supplies to these migrant workers in need. But it started with, it sounds ungodly, right? But it's just picnic. But it led to relationship. And then he heard the needs, and then he addressed their needs with the hope of Jesus in light of their needs. And as people came to faith, he appointed leaders and churches and think he said he baptized a hundred people last year. Right. Simple. So I'm just going to open it up to some Q&A now.